0: Hey everybody, this is Larry Little, and you're listening to Crossing the Line, a podcast where we talk with leaders about the moments in their life when they cross that line from leading with their heads to leading with their hearts, and then from leading with their hearts to leading with their heads. In other words, we find out what makes them tick. We find out about leaders themselves, and today we're going all the way to Kansas. I want you to meet Steve Riot. Steve is an author and international speaker. He's also director of sales at Next Tech. He's a facilitator of of peer groups and small groups, just a a guy with a wealth of knowledge, and it truly is an honor to have him on the podcast with us today. He has um, all kinds of awards and achievements that he has worked for but perhaps the most important well at least in my mind is he was recognized by HTG as a go-giver he was given the go-giver award for his contribution to the peer group community and what that simply means is he was given an award because he loves to give to others and that's who he is uh, he's a servant leader he's a great great guy uh, you're going to enjoy this th- this podcast we just talk about a plethora of things, but also we take away some innovative new ideas around leadership. I don't want to spoil it. I'm going to be quiet so we can get right to the conversation with Steve Riot. All the way from Kansas today, we have Steve Ryan. We are excited to, to have you. Thank you for spending some time with us today as we talk about life and leadership steve welcome to the crossing the line podcast larry couldn't be more excited to be here with you well we're gonna have some fun i'll tell you that you have uh you've done such an awesome job in your life of of investing in others you're a speaker and author we've talked about all of that and uh sales guy uh and you you lead peer groups do so much you do do so many things to to use your skill and to use who you are to invest in the lives of others. So we want to learn a little bit about you. And and so I want to take you back. I want you to think about a day in the life of Steve when he was ah, six, seven, eight years old. I want you to think back and tell me what was a day in the life like in your family, set that family uh, system up for me and tell me what was a day in your life as a, as a young child yeah that's
1: probably those ages are probably impactful for me. i I remember uh, i'm I'm eight years older than my youngest sister, my only sister, and so would have been expecting her at some point, right? Big change in life from a single child to a uh, little sister had uh, lived in a smaller town in Kansas, so had lots of good friends that uh, you know we we had the whole block party, right? All the friends got together on their big wheels and on their bikes and you know that's that's what I remember growing up at that age. Um, had a lot of fun in, in the community and uh, just enjoyed life for sure,
0: yeah you, you know you said something that we don't we don't see a lot of, unfortunately anymore, and that is children just playing out in the neighborhood, you know to to run free and to ride bikes. And it's a bit different these days, huh?
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. I have, you know that that statement of the street lights, come on, come on, it's time to come home. That was, that was absolutely true for me. And, uh, you know, mom probably had very little idea where I was most of the time, other than I showed up when I was supposed to,
0: you know, you know, I think, and I've heard this from so many leaders through the years, as we have interviewed and talked, even on this podcast, I, I, you know, that idea of go out, play when the lights come on street lights, come home that, that built a type of independence, a type of, of kind of, you know, we were out, we knew we had responsibility to get home. Uh, but we did. I think we're missing some of that uh, today. I think that the, the pattern I see is in leaders uh, that back in the day when we could do that and feel safe. I'm not saying that we could even do that today, but when we could and and we were in that environment, I think it it taught us about uh, you know kind of being innovative and 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 going out and being on our own, discovering, exploring all those things that that you know true leaders have to have. Uh, that curiosity uh, with the responsibility of being home when the streetlights, you know, when they're on, you better, you better book at home. So you're, that's who you are. You're out riding bikes, playing. Now you're let's move up just a bit. Uh, elementary school was, was just kind of a, you're saying a fun. We were out, we we're playing. What about junior high? Who were you in junior high? Yeah.
1: So in, in the middle of that, uh, we moved to a little bit larger city. Uh, definitely impactful uh, from my childhood went from, a very small town to a very large town um, and uh, learned very quickly that the things had changed, especially, you know, I, I lost some of that friend group that had surrounded me um, and learned in the bigger city that uh, you had to fend for your own a little bit. Uh, and so it was learning through that process of fending through your own, um, making a new set of friends uh, through that time frame, but, uh, you know, things are really positive, I would say, and uh, still have some of those friends today, for sure, on both sides of that, you know, from the grade school side, uh, you know, even the junior high and high school friends. So still moving forward, but uh, grew up in a little bit larger town in Topeka, Kansas, uh, which is the capital. And, uh, you know, that that did have an impact from a standpoint that now I live in a much smaller town than either one of those. Uh, made that choice to do that, but still can. uh fend my own in the larger city when I have to. Right.
0: Yeah, isn't that interesting? You, you go to this, to this, uh, big town and then you have to kind of find your identity. You kind of have to figure out who are you and who are you going to be? So were you, when you, when you were finding that out, you're trying to, did you find yourself migrating? Were you, were you Steve and in, in junior high? Were you, were you Steve, the athlete, were you Steve, the tech guy, were you Steve, the, how did you find that identity? What were some of the struggles you went through to to get there?
1: You know, that's fair. Uh, Actually, I remember uh, a simple story that when I moved from the smaller town in Topeka, uh, I went back to go visit some of my friends. And I remember going to baseball practice with them. And um, between the year I had left, I could no longer hit a ball and I could no longer catch a ball. And that was a really interesting impact. And I couldn't understand it, how the kids could hit that ball and how they could catch that ball in outfield and and later that fall i realized that these uh, glasses came into the uh, realm um but you know you talk about something impactful you don't know what you can't see until somebody points out you can't see the blackboard right i think that was a strong lesson wow. for me because you know i i literally had remember having that feeling of how can they hit that baseball when you can see it five you know five feet in front of you. How can you catch that ball in the outfield when you can only hear it coming off the bat? But I didn't realize
0: that they could see it and I couldn't. Wow. They, you know, that my wife had the same experience. She said when she realized all of a sudden she, she had glasses as a child uh, and junior high. And she said, I suddenly realized that trees have leaves. You could actually (laughs) see the leaves. So it was quite the experience. And that's kind of what you, you had. So you had that, that sight issue. Got it corrected. Then what happened? Yep. Uh,
1: yeah. So, you know, uh, that really I, w- I wasn't very good in sports. I'm not a very tall. I'm not a very big guy. I think I graduated high school at 98 pounds. Um, so it really set me down the path that I needed to be anyway. Um, really didn't do any athletics through junior high and high school. But I got into the uh, more debate forensics world, which serves me well even today.
0: How about that? The the debate forensics world. Now, did you do that in high school? Is that where we are now?
1: Yeah, I did that in high school. Uh, I had a gentleman named Ryan McKeithen. Uh, he was the coach slash teacher, if you will. Uh, and he taught me a lot. Uh, I tell the story that uh, when I was in eighth grade, I had an English teacher that uh, I couldn't diagram uh, sentences. Still can't. So don't ask me to do that. The good <laughs> news is I can ask AI to do it today. Um, but she informed me that I'd probably be nothing more than a garbage man at that point. And that was not, you know, not that there's anything wrong with a sanitation engineer by any means, but it was not meant as a compliment. And, uh, that stuck with me a little bit. And then when I got into high school, Ryan invested me a ton of time, Mr. McKeithen, and, um, taught me where some of my God-given skills were at. And that was that ability to be some improv, the ability to have a good argument, the ability to have great communications, and, and that served to be uh, far better than diagramming sentences.
0: Wow. And, and, and those things, how to have great communication, how to have improv, those are really life skills, aren't they?
1: They are. I have uh, recently gone down a rabbit hole uh, of improv. Uh, I was listening to some other podcasts, and specifically they were relating how improv can teach leadership. Uh, mm. And and the reason behind that is when you're leading in the moment, um, you're improv, right? Like right. we don't have words that we can communicate uh, that are the same words in every situation. And the first law of improv that I discovered was yes, and. And so whatever the person that you're working with is, you kind of have to do a yes, And and so you can't just say, no, your reality isn't true. And then end of scene, if you will, uh, you have to be yes, and then add to it. And, you know, that's, that's something I've just discovered here recently. And I'm, I'm super happy to be able to share it, that uh, I've I've discovered that. And it also plays in another realm of my world of sales. It's the exact same concept too. Uh, customers that you know clients that you're talking with you never know where they're going to take you Mm. Uh, but if they tell you that they're having a particular problem you can't tell them no but you can do a yes and and so we've enjoyed a lot on the team here doing a little bit of improv lately um, learning some exercises to get our brains to listen a little bit better because that's the other Mm. part of improv right Mm. you can't improv if you don't hear the other person so it's amazing how that all tied together here. 50, you know, I'm now 50 uh, from those high school experiences.
0: Well, you may be 50, but you look like you're 30, Steve. So there we have that. Uh, but what what you're teaching us is so relevant and so important to speak, to listen well, and then to speak into the language, to speak into the person, to speak uh, according to what they say, to join them where they are instead of resisting or Uh, you know many times we have a prescribed methodology i think in our world of leadership even or or even and even maybe sales and you know someone would say i really would like a piece of chocolate cake i think that's what i need and we have a great wealth of knowledge and an arsenal with yellow cake you know we don't we don't have chocolate but so we spend a lot of time trying to convince them of what they need when we should be listening and using improv to figure out how to meet their needs, where they are, instead of trying to convince them that we have this scripted prescribed solution that, that probably isn't really what they need at all.
1: Absolutely. Fantastic example. And probably the final piece that I've been studying recently is I'm a fan of Chris Voss. Uh, that's the, uh, uh, you know, he was the chief hostage negotiator for the FBI and, mm. you know, mirroring is one of the tactics he teaches you. Right. And, you can't mirror somebody without listening fully to what they said right. and then being able to mirror their words. So uh, I think you put all those systems together for you of, you know, yes. And a uh, little bit of mirroring and, you know, active listening for the purpose of good, right? Like I think oh, both yeah. of these, all of this can be used in a uh, not so positive way. And as long as you're aligned to that purpose of good, I think you get really positive outcomes.
0: You know, Steve, we've known each other for a while and and you're familiar with our system here. And as you were were talking, I couldn't help but think about our personality work and learning the language of others, whether it's that competent camel, tranquil turtle, much loved monkey leading line, the 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 animals aren't important. What's important is learning to speak the language of those personalities. And in order to do that, you have to listen you have to we call that blinking you have to be able to blink who they are you can't blink if you don't listen and then realize that their language is not your language right many times and uh, so you have to get to where they are and speak that lion language or that turtle language and that's a great lesson steve thank you for for teaching us about that and and i'm i'm excited about your improv work that sounds that sounds really cool to me and that you're using it with your team and i look forward to hearing how that's going but I'm going to bring you back for a minute. All right. Uh, we're back in high school. We're moving out. Um, you have, you know, uh, you, you found your identity, uh, you, you worked your way through and now you're headed to what happens when you graduate, where are you headed?
1: Yeah, I went to college. Uh, I did live at home through college, uh, came out debt free, enjoyed that Mm -hmm. very much. Congratulations. Um, Well, thank you. Um, you know, College was, uh, you know, I got the paper at the end um, and uh, enjoyed the experience, worked pretty much, you know, 30-ish hours a week at uh, Radio Shack. Um, And, you know, I think that's part of my story is I've really had three jobs, um, which is kind of interesting. I I bagged groceries in, high, you know, like early high school, Um, literally in the parking lot of uh, the grocery store was Radio Shack where one day I was in there checking out all the latest, uh, you know, technology, love technology. And that store manager, uh, asked me if I knew anything about commissions. And I said, well, not really. And he goes, well, the more you sell, the more you make. And I loved that concept. And so, uh, I worked my way through college at radio shack. I remember, uh, worked in the mall in Topeka, which had two of the great things. I loved: time to get my homework done at the counter. Cause I didn't really get busy to the evenings, but, uh, also, all the girls hung out at the mall, and that worked out fantastic. <laughs> hey,
0: that's a win-win. It was. So, so you, so you uh, were, you bagged groceries. Yes, sir. And then you worked at Radio Shack. Yes, sir. And what? And was there another? Was there another job? Did I hear you say you had three or no? Just well, two. The
1: one, the one I sit in now. Um, that's the third one. So let me let me finish that story. Wow. Um, yeah. I graduated college on a Saturday, and on a Sunday, I got a call from radio check district manager. And I remember going, well, what are you doing tomorrow? And I said, I don't know. I hadn't really thought about past graduation. And he goes, well, why don't you manage a store? Okay. So I I took on my first store management job, uh, I think, two days later in Topeka. I worked there roughly six months. I remember it was uh, October Uh, 30th uh, because it was the day before Halloween Uh, and I got another one of those phone calls hey what are you doing tomorrow I don't know maybe a Halloween party and he goes well how about you go manage the largest radio shack in the state and I said well Kansas City sounds fantastic and he goes no Hayes Kansas well I knew where that was at my mom was from Hayes um, and uh, it's uh, pretty remote on I-70 out here. And so I literally picked up everything I owned in my apartment, uh, moved uh, within a few days with a bu- couple buddies of mine out to Hayes, Kansas, and took over the Radio Shack uh, there. Wow. Um, which, which gave me a lot of blessings. I learned to manage a team pretty well out here. Um, again, we were several hours from kind of the closest other Radio Shack. But at that time, this is uh, in the 90s, I, uh, we sold a lot of computers because there was no web purchasing at that time, really. Right. And, uh, we sold a ton of computers, uh, made some of the best friends that I still have. In fact, I work with one of them still today, uh, directly. Mm. Uh, and uh, we had a great time, but uh, that experience led me to every day having to go to the bank, uh, you know, do the daily deposit, which right. I my wife um uh, she was the banker
0: uh um, about that
1: and so uh that's that's where i met jennifer um 24 years ago we'll be 25 this next summer so pretty excited about that anniversary but uh, she's tolerated me all these years and um when we were looking to start a family the retail world was uh, not great kind of october through january um, and we had a conversation that said, you know, you need to find another job. So I did exactly what I had done in the past. I walked across the parking lot to next tech, um, which is where I work today, 24 years later. Um, and, uh, been here ever since, but wow, uh, what a story, you know, uh, I think, uh, I think, you know, uh, God led me to where I needed to be and yeah. I've grown my career from a frontline person here uh, to the executive management team and really enjoyed every step of that
0: path. So here's the pattern. You you continue to search. You, you had to be assertive. You had to walk across the parking lot. You had to take a chance to go into Radio Shack. You had to go take a chance. I mean, they, you know, you walk in and that's a great, uh, great illustration, though, of you knew you needed to make a change. And instead of spinning on it, you did something. You didn't know if it was going to work out or not, but you made a decision. Hey, what I'm doing is not working out the way I want it to right now. So, you know, you could sit and spin and and moan and groan, or you could do something. Yeah. And, and, and you did something and, and wow. And you've been there 24. Now I have to ask, got to go back to Jennifer for a minute. All right. So look, you're going into the bank and, uh, You know, you've been known, you've already told us, you walk into these places and things happen. How did you, how did you convince her to go out with you?
1: Well, um, so all the, the banking gals, and I say that specifically, they were gals at that time. Um, many of which are still in our lives today. Uh, they, uh, said, you gotta ask her out. Um, and, uh, I had just recently broken up with a previous girlfriend. And so I thought that was a great idea. So I asked her out and she said, no, um, and they'd all told me that she was going to say yes. And she said no. And she said no. And so, um, I, I, you know, quite frankly, I moved on. Um, and two weeks later, she called me and said, well, why didn't you ask me out again? And I said, well, you said no. And she goes, well, I was kind of playing hard to get. What's the problem? <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm paraphrasing. I'm pretty sure she would argue that statement at some point, but she definitely <laughs> told me no on the first time.
0: And, and But she called you. She did. Yeah. She and did. so did, did she ask you out or did you ask her out again?
1: You know, I couldn't answer that question, to be honest. Uh, it worked out. Uh, <laughs> I later, she's going to be embarrassed. I tell you this story, but I later found out that her parents lived uh, where she lived with her parents um, about, uh Probably a football field away from where I lived uh, behind uh, the apartment I lived and uh, her and her sister uh, had had stalked me. They knew what cars were in front of my apartment. They knew everything about me. So uh, she was uh, not taking a lot of risks. She knew exactly what she was getting into.
0: I love good for Jennifer. Wow. She had a little leadership going on on her own time. Didn't she good for her? So so you and Jennifer are are married now, you're working, you've moved, you walked across the parking lot, you're at, you know, at Next Tech, there you go, and you've been there for what, 25 years? 24 years, yeah. 24, 24 years. Yeah. So out of those 24 years, help me to know uh, from from what you have, how have you grown, from what you've learned, from where you started, from where you are now, kind of give us a synopsis of how you've grown and and what have you learned through that process?
1: you know uh transparently i was a pretty big idiot when i started um you know i was a lot about getting what i needed to get what Mm. i wanted Mm. um there's a couple pivot points in my career Uh, obviously the birth of my two boys was part of that Uh, you know your your responsibilities change Um, somewhere after my second child was born carson um I was a supervisor at this point. Uh, I had a guy that worked for me. His name was Brian. And uh, Brian had, uh, you know, I, we'd done our weekly catch up. And I remember, I can almost remember the call, but, uh, you know, this flip phone days and uh, had a call with him. And I remember him, um, you know, he was kind of chatty and we got done with all the business. And then he told me how proud he was of his family and he had a, a two year old little girl. And he was expecting a son soon. And, um, I remember, you know, having that call with him not to know that within five minutes of that call, he would run a stop sign and be killed instantly. And, oh. you know, that taught me oh um, more in an afternoon than any leadership experience ever has. Um, you know, I hope nobody ever has to go through that. But uh, first of all, it taught me that, you know, being personally invested with your team is so important because I got the tell what the last things he talked about were to his family later. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, today, even uh, one of McCarson's friends is uh, one of those children's of Brian's that we were talking about. um, So, so, you know, I get to see that, but uh, you know, still think about Brian frequently and never know who's going to be here for how long and doing what we do, You know, we have to we have to be accountable for the people that we work with. But uh, uh, that personal connection means so much more to me today. And I I hope I live that every day.
0: Steve, thank you for sharing that. And, you know, unfortunately, um, we we learn through tragedy many times. And it sounds like that you have experienced it. That was a cornerstone event for you. That was a life changing event for you. Uh, That was a priority changing event for you. Yeah. So thank you, thank you for sharing that, and I love that 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 you could go back to Brian's family and and share with them his last words about them. That was that's so powerful. What a great what a great great thought around leadership, and we could visit uh, all day, but we we need to to bring this thing to a close. But I want to ask you to help us just for a moment. I want you to think about those Steves who, who you were back then, back when you were at at the you know, the grocery store or the radio shack, or before you walked across the parking lot 24 years ago, uh, there are those listening who were trying to figure this thing out in their leadership and they're, they're learning and they're growing. uh, But they, you know, they're, they're searching, they're hungry. What would you tell them? What would you, you tell these aspiring leaders who are trying to find their way in life and, and leadership? Give us two or three things that you can leave us with to say, Hey, Guys, this is what you need to think about as you continue your journey of life and leadership.
1: Wow. Deep question. Um, you know, first, I would say find a mentor that you can share your daily troubles with uh, so they can help you find more empathy, uh, more um, help through your journey. Find a mentor that has been there, done that. Uh, just ask somebody, you'd be amazed who's willing to help you. I I think that's pretty clear on that. Um, And then the final piece is, you know, I think when we get done with this journey, you know, hopefully I'm only in the middle of mine, but uh, hopefully when you get to the end of the journey, you'll remember the people, you'll remember the experiences. Mm -hmm. Hopefully you can celebrate your successes, but the people are probably the most, they are the most important piece of this. And I don't know that I always had that, you know, at the beginning. And so I think if I could relay just that final piece of investing in the people, because Mm -hmm. if you take care of the people, they'll take care of you and your business and uh, just do a great job of getting that done.
0: Beautiful, Steve. Thank you so much for this. Uh, thank you for sharing with us your story, your life, some of the, the things that you you went through, your struggles. It means so much. You have invested today, and I thank you for that. Thank you for investing your time and in, in, uh, sharing in this podcast. It's been a joy. You're an amazing leader and uh, a man, husband, father. Thank you for, for who you are. And uh, thank you for what you do and your leadership. And uh, we will look forward to uh, watching you, watching the next time. I can't hardly wait for you to cross the parking lot again. Who knows what's going to happen, but we, uh, we appreciate you taking the time to be with us today. Appreciate you too, Larry. Take care. So, have you ever thought about using improv uh, as a tool in leadership? We do it every day. And Steve had a brilliant idea to, to really focus on that and strengthen that muscle. I, I um, really enjoyed my conversation with him. Th- this podcast was chock full, I think, of just nuggets, just ideas of, of getting to where people are, understanding that we have to take a risk and walk across that, that parking lot, uh, understanding the, the truth about uh who we are and and finding our identity even when it's when it's difficult. Uh Steve is a great guy. He's a great leader. We learned so much from his time with us. I really loved his 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 advice, his his thoughts for aspiring young leaders. We hear it a lot, but it's so true. So I'm gonna say it again just like he did. You need a mentor. Find a mentor. Just ask, he said, just go do it. Just like he walked across the parking lot. Ask for that mentor and invest in people. Wow, so important. You know, he had that significant moment in his life when he lost a friend, and it reminded him about the importance, and he's still living that to this day, that that truth, that principle of it's important, to invest in those around us. What great, great takeaways from Steve. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. I certainly enjoyed visiting with him. I hope that you'll think about some things. I hope that you'll take away some things that will help you to make a difference in the lives of those you love, live with, and lead. We'll see you next time on Crossing the Line. This has been Crossing the Line with Dr. Larry Little, Thank you for joining us today. To learn more about our guest, you can find Steve Riot on LinkedIn. You can support our work by subscribing or hitting that like button. To find more episodes, you can find Crossing the Line on iTunes, Spotify, or on our website in the show notes. If you're interested in being a guest on the podcast or want to learn more about us, contact the show through our website, eaglecenterforleadership.com. Until next time, thank you for tuning in.